Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis, your movie trivia and discussion podcast. This podcast is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com for information about voiceover services for commercials, internet and corporate videos, e-learning, phone messages, and more. Joining me today for the podcast, my good pal, so glad to have you here again. It's Eric Reitz. And it's so grand to be here. It's Thank so you very grand. Much. Thank you very much. So we're going to talk about a fun movie uh, yeah. going back to June 1st, 1990 for the release date of this one. It's Total Recall. Yes, we're in the 90s now. I know, but it barely. <laughs> it's It feels very much like an 80s movie. We'll talk about that in a second. Directed mm-hmm. by Paul Verhoeven, also known for directing RoboCop and Basic Instinct. This movie, of course, stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Rachel Ticotin, Sharon Stone, Ronnie Cox, and Michael Ironside, who's always a great bad guy. Absolutely. Based on the short story, We Can Remember It For You Wholesale by Philip K. Dick, the screen story written by Ronald Shusett, Dan O'Bannon, and John Poville, screenplay written by Shusett, O'Bannon, and Gary Goldman, estimated budget for this one, $65 million. At that time, that was the second most expensive film ever made. Next to Rambo 3. Exactly. And it's funny because, you know, $65 million, especially for this type of movie, Mm-hmm. really doesn't feel like a lot. They spend hundreds of millions of dollars now for these big special effects kind of things. And I never understood that because like, if it's all mostly computer animated... Well, this then, one wasn't, though. Well, Exactly. Oh, you're saying now. So now, why do they cost so much more if it's computer animated as opposed to building models and building stuff and having all these artists? I guess you have a lot of IT people and maybe they cost more. Yeah, but I'm also thinking that possibly the star salaries have gotten to be really crazy these days. Well, yeah. Although I'm sure Schwarzenegger got paid pretty well for this movie. He did. He did okay with this. This movie made $119.4 million domestically, worldwide $261.3 million. So number four on the list of the highest domestic grossing Schwarzenegger films behind Terminator 2 and 3 and True Lies, another great movie. 500 people worked on the film. They built 45 sets that tied up eight sound stages for six months. Holy crap. Yeah, so this was a big undertaking. Mm -hmm. What a fun movie, though. It was a lot of fun. I thought I saw it in 1990 in the summer Mm -hmm. at this little resort in New York called Sunny Hill, which is like a place my family had been going to, my aunt had been going to for like 80 years Mm -hmm. as a little girl. Mm -hmm. Now something crazy. There was a drive-in in one of the towns nearby, and I swear I saw it there with a couple of my cousins. So I called up my cousin Greg and I was like, dude, didn't we see Total Recall at the drive-in? And he's like, I don't recall. I'm like, uh, but um, he's like, I think I did. I'm not sure, but we're trying to recreate it. So I was 25 years old. Okay. So I would have been with Kathy. Okay. And she would have been with me up at Sunny Hill. Would she have been interested in seeing this movie though? Probably not, but she was interested in me. Okay. But she doesn't recall again not seeing it. I mean, I hate to be all this funniness. I know. But uh, yeah, so she so she was no help. So I'm just going to stick with, yeah. Okay. I saw it on a drive-in, which was freaking awesome. I can imagine. I'm sure I saw this in the theaters, but I don't remember the specific experience of seeing this in a theater. When you walked away, what did you think after seeing it? Oh, I thought it was a great movie. Okay. I did too. But did you think it was a cutting edge sci-fi movie? No, I just thought it was fun, like a fun sci-fi action adventure. You know, it was Schwarzenegger doing his thing, you know? Absolutely. I felt the same way. But now when I watched it a few nights ago, Mm -hmm. I started to catch some things. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, how can this be that? So I'm starting to understand that, wow, there's because there's a lot of people out there that put this as like a top 10 sci-fi film of all time. 
which mm. blows my mind. But then when I started looking into some of these things these people talk about, like, mm-hmm. you know, was Arnold actually dreaming throughout the whole movie? I was like, oh, my God, I never really thought of that. And yeah, me either, actually. One of the first things I noticed is, OK, he goes to Total Recall mm-hmm. and he's describing the woman he wants to hang out with. Right. Now, it's funny. He's choosing himself to be a special agent or whatever, right. a spy. And he describes her. And right before he falls asleep... You see a picture of Melina. Right. But he's not asleep yet. So then, really, Recall put that picture in his mind, not the other way around. Because at that point, he can't be dreaming. Although, you never know because he's been drugged, so he's a little woozy, a little loopy. So maybe he's now going into that that dream state or something. I don't know. So so there's the one thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I put it to you as we talk that at the beginning of the movie, when he wakes up, he's having the nightmare mm-hmm. and he wakes up and Sharon's there. Oh, tell me she didn't look amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Sharon Stone looked amazing. I'm saying that was actually a flashback. It was not, that movie was not in real time. He, him waking up was the end of time, not the actual beginning of time. You're yeah. just confusing the shit out of me yeah, right now. Yeah, because- so many things, okay? The Molina thing. Mm-hmm. Other, another thing, and I got some of this stuff. Like I said, I went into a rabbit hole when mm-hmm. I was researching this, and uh, there was this dude, hashtag end of total recall by this dude or dudette named Looper. Okay. Oh my God, he had or she had a seven minute video, the YouTube thing. All the theories. All the things. <laughs> this is why he was actually asleep. And some of the stuff he brings up was great. The one I really agree with is, remember the big giant x-ray thing? Yeah. And at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. he walks through it and mm-hmm. nothing goes off because he's not, you know, no weapons or anything. Now, he goes to recall and now he's, the the adventure begins. Right. Okay. He goes running through the x-ray, and it catches his gun. Right. But it does not catch the metal thing in his head, the tracking device in his head. Okay. Okay. So it doesn't track that. Why, you may say? Because in his fantasy, he hadn't come across that yet. Because it's not until- He gets that suitcase right. from the other operative right. that Hauser tells him that you've got this thing in your head, push this up your nose there, and you pull it out. Right. How cool did that look when he's oh pulling that God. giant Th- thing out? That's the thing about this movie that I really love, mm-hmm. that none of that stuff is is done with computers. That's all like models and puppets and shit. Yeah. The fucking artistry in a movie like this, it's a forgotten thing. I was still having trouble with the idea that this whole life of his during the movie was a dream. I said to myself, wait a minute. When he pulled that thing out of his nose, Mm -hmm. that little metal thing was encased in a sphere of something softer. So I would argue on the other side that, hey, maybe that thing hid the metal from the x-ray machine. Oh, maybe. Yeah. It was like kind a, of like it in was the lead. Terminator. Yeah, it was a lead thing or something. Right. Kind of that like how sense. in the Terminator, the flesh covering the Terminator skeleton made it able to go through uh, time. So there's other things that happen. And again, you know, maybe I need to just suspend disbelief. <laughs> he comes home after running away from all the, the guys from recall and everything. Right, right. And he comes in, he, he draws the shades and he keeps the lights off and he's... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he wakes up at some point and he gets into a fight with Sharon Stone. She starts beating the shit out of him. He's starting to remember stuff that he's not supposed to remember and all that. But here's the thing. Yeah. Sharon Stone gives him a couple of really good shots to the nuts. Oh, well, yes, yeah, Really, does. like... Like very effective kicks or knees Mm -hmm. or elbows or whatever to the nuts. 
Nothing. Well, no, I don't get care. A little, uh, from him. He barely slows down, and I'm sorry. Like I know he's supposed to be superhuman and all that. Right. right. I don't give a shit. I don't care if you're fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger or not. <laughs> you get fucking kicked or kneed in the balls full force. You're, you're going, fucking going down. You're going down. Well, see again. I would say that's another proof that he's having a dream. Right. In his dream, he's, you know, I got iron balls. Right, right. In this whole dream sequence, the fact that, okay, there's a lot of just convenient stuff. How could he have dreamed of Melina at the beginning of the movie? You can say, oh, well, he dreamed of her because he met her on Mars. As Hauser. As Hauser. Right. You can say that. Dreams come from the subconscious, supposedly, right? In real life. Yes. So if he had been reprogrammed somehow, there's still going to be some subconscious stuff going on. Right. And that would make sense that Melina's part of those memories. Which is what the whole, that part of that movie, that's all based on. But then he's dreaming about them dying. Now, of course, I guess you could say, well, that's his guilt for Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, his mask breaks and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, he was not going to recover. So you say, okay, well, that's his guilt. Although he does not actually see them dying. That's almost, uh, you know, a premonition for what happens later in the movie, too. Oh, yeah. Not exactly, but, you know, when they get sucked out and, and you know, when the atmosphere is forming and stuff. There's so much fun (laughs) stuff like that. Like when he goes to recall Schwarzenegger, he wasn't going to be the star of this movie. The original story that it's based on is Mm -hmm. very different from the movie. Yeah. The main lead is like a nerdy Mm -hmm. office guy. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, actors that were considered for this part before it was even, you know, in front of Schwarzenegger. Matthew Broderick, Richard Dreyfuss. Uh, Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze. I guess would have been the most macho side. Yeah. Yeah. And a couple of other people. would have been great. If the character is supposed to be like sort of schlubby and not Schwarzenegger. And you know Not an action hero. And I'm thinking this right now. If it was one of those guys, I think the idea that it was a dream sequence. Mm Mm-hmm would have made more sense because you'd be like, well, of course a wussy little guy is going to have big dreams like that. Yeah. But now when it's Schwarzenegger, it makes you have a double take. It's like, well, why would a guy like that? He, well, he definitely could have been. a. You know. The reason that he would choose that package, the the secret agent package, is because right. there's something drawing him to that, like his subconscious. Right. Yes. Like he has the, the dreams. He keeps having the dreams. Right. So mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe if I do this, it'll, you know, make me remember something or whatever. I don't know. But to do the movie, yeah, Schwarzenegger ended up well. De Laurentiis's production company that right. was originally attached. originally attached, it went bankrupt. Went bankrupt, right? right. So then Arnold convinced Carol Co. Pictures, y- yes, who he just did a Red Heat with mm-hmm. to purchase Total Recall. Okay, so then he could star in it, right? I, I think, think he's smart. He knew it was going to be a good vehicle for him, for sure for himself and uh, and he probably knew it was going to be a big success too based on the story speaking about that Arnold was such a huge star at that time mm-hmm. and so successful and such a big box office draw that he had a lot of clout he had authority over all the creative aspects of the movie mm-hmm. script production and even some of the elements of distribution which is very cool yeah, yeah so at one point they cut a trailer for this Arnold wasn't happy with the trailer. He didn't think it was the best representation of the film. Mm -hmm. And then they did a poll or something, and they found out that only 43% of the public had awareness of the project. So he was like, oh, that's disastrous. That's that's not going to open big. It's not going to be really good. So he actually convinced Carol Co. to spend more on advertising, Mm -hmm. which they did. And the movie uh, ended up opening with 99% public awareness. 
That's crazy. Like to, that he had that kind of influence is amazing. Like that's that's what really got me about that. The fact that the original story has nothing to do with the big muscle bound guy. Right. It was about like somebody who was uh, like an office drone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, which I don't think Arnold is going to convince anybody that he's that. It would have been too tongue in cheek, kind of like with Christopher Reeve's Superman. Yeah. It's like, all right, it's funny. He's Clark Kent, but he's still built. But other fun stuff are just about the making of the movie. Okay. The public transportation. That, that was, was actually real... what it looked like. And I, I don't know yeah. if it still looks like that now or if it's even more modernized, but it looked very modern. It looked very futuristic. Yeah. Like Mexico's ahead of us. Mexico City. Yeah. Who knows? And and also the all the little cars and stuff mm-hmm. were actual vehicles of the Mexico City Transportation Authority. That's wild. Like all the they Johnny cabs like and the, stuff? Yeah. They like painted them. They wow. put in screens and stuff. Oh, the Johnny Cab. I loved, I don't know if you noticed at one point when Arnold's talking to the Johnny Cab guy, yeah. Arnold says something and the Johnny Cab guy, like when he turns, he rolls his eyes. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, it was so very So many cool. of these little like Easter eggs were great. So yeah. every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie of this time frame, mm-hmm. when he was really jacked, always had to have the obligatory bicep shot. Absolutely. We talked about it in Running Man when he's yep. carrying a tree or something. Or no, right. that was in Commando. In Commando. But he's, ca- oh, he's carrying a steel girder right. in, in yes, Running there's Man. there's always a bicep. In this movie, the bi- the obligatory bicep scene is the jackhammer scene. Yep. Exactly. Oh, sure. No, so, you gotta get that in. Yeah. Gotta have that. It's like when the Dukes of Hazard always had to have the boys with their shirts off. Okay, yeah. For, for the ladies. That. Why did we watch that show? What a terrible show. <laughs> it was a horrible show. <laughs> anyway. it made me feel smart. Um, also, <laughs> The guards on Mars yeah. actually were real American soldiers. Oh, wow. They were Marines and naval officers. Very cool. They were very real, which I'm sure then they would have known when they all surround Schwarzenegger. They're chasing him, mm-hmm. and Schwarzenegger has the little the hologram thing. thing. The hologram yeah. thing. They're all in a circle around him, and they all start shooting. Yeah. And it's like, A, all right, if he's a hologram which he is. Even well, they all not. would have shot each other. Even and, if he's not. And even if he's not. Right. Y- yeah, you don't stand across from each other with ak 40s I'm sure those guys must have been like, this is stupid. Come on, this is stupid. And you talk about the violence. This was an X-rated movie. Yes, originally. They cut out a lot. When I think about how violent this must have been before they cut stuff, <laughs> I always think about the scene on the escalator where he's being chased mm-hmm. and they end up shooting a, a, stand, a bystander right. and Arnold grabs that guy's body and uses it as a shield as a shield yeah. and he is being pummeled right. with bullets right. and body pieces are flying <laughs> off him and then it gets worse because then at the end of the scene near the end of the scene when he's laying on the ground they're running somebody steps on his body I of was course. like all right yeah that's unnecessary yeah, yeah. I, I think um, Paul Verhoeven was kind of mm. known for, uh, like, after RoboCop, yeah. for, like, sort of ultraviolence, over-the-topness. And honestly, yeah. I think it's there's a fine line between, oh, this is just violent for the for violence' sake, and, right. and violent, like, cartoonish violence. Yeah. So you know, like, it's almost tongue-in-cheek. Quentin Tarantino makes a movie. Right. The blood is so over-the-top that it's yes. almost like, yeah. okay, yeah. we get it. You're, doing, you're making a statement. It's right. almost like anti-this. Right. When he first goes to recall and mm-hmm. the receptionist is there who looks a little bit like Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson, yeah. A little bit. She was a little cutie. When she's doing her nails with that, yeah. that thing. 
those are the little things I forgot about. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've seen this movie a bunch of times, but for whatever reason, forgot about that. And, and yeah. I was like uh, amazed by it again watching yeah. last night. And I thought that was cool. It was so cool that they did it a second time. Cost a lot of money. To yeah. Do so it. let's let's make the let's get our money's worth. Yeah. Right? Get a bang for the buck. Yeah, you know? exactly. Law of diminishing returns there. And then right after that, the guy, come, the salesman comes out and he's like a total slick used car salesman <laughs> kind of guy. I loved him. Well, awesome. and it was funny. We're talking about him. <laughs> A lot of the things that he says are more foreshadowing. Yes. You know, when he's talking to He Arnold basically about, describes the whole movie. Yeah. 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 I love, and one of the, the greatest things I thought when he says, oh, you know, when you travel, you know, you're dealing with lost luggage, you're mm-hmm. dealing with the bad weather, you're dealing with, you know, crooked taxi drivers. <laughs> How freaking hilarious yeah. is that? Because Benny, um, Benny later on, <laughs> yeah. who is a mutant. Mm-hmm. So you assume, okay, great, he's with the resistance. Right. And he ends up, no, he's horrible. Yeah. He's got five he's, kids to feed. He's got five, no, four. Wait, no, five. Oh, shit, oh, I'm shit. not even married. <laughs> <laughs> Man, great Good stuff. Great character there. Yeah. This movie won an Oscar. Yeah, a Special Achievement Award for visual effects. Which is, now, the Special Achievement Award, I really didn't realize, that's not given out all the time. That's sparsely given out mm-hmm. only when there's a film of some really cultural change or something so significant. Some other really interesting stuff, this artist, Ron Miller, the whole thing like with the mutants, yeah. that was his idea, you know, the three-breasted woman. I can't believe we've been talking this long, right. and this is the first mention of the three-breasted woman. I know. Well, that just shows how mature we are. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's. I got to say, that's progress. That's progress oh, yeah. for us. Well, what's funny, I read that she was supposedly <laughs> supposed to have four breasts at first. Really? But she looked too much like a cow, and it's like... Oh, okay, yeah, I yeah. Mean, I, did, I don't I even I think 12-year-old boys would be turned on by that. I so. actually read that the, the actress that yeah. played that character, uh-huh. Lysia Naff, okay. she found the experience of playing that character humiliating. She was so appalled yeah. that she actually refused to do publicity for the movie. She was offered a, a chance to be on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and she turned really? it down because she just like felt gross about being that character. I guess I can see that because her character wasn't really empowered at all. I mean, she was she a whore. Wasn't a to- she was a hooker. Yeah, she was. I guess I'm thinking about like while Benny is talking to her, like Benny's feeling her. Yeah. And it would have been better... If she was like, uh-uh, honey, you got to pay. And she I, kept herself I gotta covered. I got to say, that scene was completely unnecessary. No, it was necessary to get the young teenage boys in the theater. They showed the three boobs once. Right. That could have been good enough. Why did they have to show him feeling her up? Like, no, exactly. Other than the fact that he had, you know, to foreshadow again, because he says, oh, I wish I had a third hand, because we find out he does. Right. That's <laughs> true. Right. Oh, I didn't think of that. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, they tried to use her again, like to mm-hmm. uh, be alluring with uh, with Richter. Oh, right, with Richter. Yeah. And then he just puts a hole in her. Yeah. Shoots oh. her right in those three boobs. Oh, it was so sad. <laughs> so sad. Like How about said. the little person? Oh, she was awesome. Yeah, she was a badass. I love <laughs> she when, she, when a... she just takes that running start with the knife and just puts her right into the... <laughs> oh, yeah. It looked and then like she, she jumps up on the bar and the yeah. bartender gives her that machine gun. Yeah, she's badass. <laughs> Very cool. She was great. Yeah. A cool thing that I read. So, you know, when he watches the video of Hauser the first time. So at the end of that scene, you know, when the bad guys catch up to him and he has to break the the video, the the computer, trying to destroy the evidence or whatever. And it gets stuck on the loop of him going, get your ass to Mars. Yes. According to the director, that was an afterthought to bridge the film's change from uh, Earth to Mars. Mm -hmm. Originally, they wanted to shoot him. Yeah. You know, getting on the shuttle and all that kind of stuff. But they just didn't have the budget for it. Right. Okay. So that was kind of used as a way to transition from, okay. you know, to get him to Mars. 
That worked. Which I thought was pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. Let's go back. We were just talking about how unempowered Mary, the three-breasted hooker, was. I think that the fight scene between Lori and Melina is the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Instead of it just being like a, you know, a typical quote-unquote cat fight. Yeah, where they're just, you know, rolling yeah. around on the ground, slapping each other, pulling each other's hair. They they actually were doing martial arts stuff. Right. That was very cool. That was very that cool. That was done on purpose to, you know, that they were actual warriors. They very, weren't just very fanciful. <laughs> like in a dream. Yeah, it's true. You know? I guess. You got come on, you got two hot women fighting over you. <laughs> cool fighting. And cool fighting, yeah. yeah. Special effects. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things, Quado. Mm-hmm. How friggin' awesome was that? Yeah. I remember first time watching the movie and, you know, Arnold, oh, Arnold's, you know, he's been escorted to the secret lair. Right. And now he's going into the secret room. Right. And now he's going to meet Quato. And you're waiting, at least I was waiting for some kind of creature to come slithering out somewhere. Right. But then the dude, Marshall Bell, the, the actor, turns mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. and it's friggin' yeah. a creature. It's out very of his cool. Stomach. It's very cool. And that whole scene, you could tell it's a puppet. But again, I don't care. Like a lot of people would probably would go, oh, it's so, it It looks looks so so fake. fake. Well, now especially. It looks, but you know what? I like that it's all practical effects. It's all puppetry. It's so creative and so well done. There were 15 puppeteers controlling that thing. I know. Plus they had little servos moving the mouth and the lips and all that. Right. So that, that was, and that was one huge piece. Like his face. Yeah. His face was covered, too. I think that's artistry at its best. Oh, my God. And, and not yeah. to take anything away from the CGI artists that are working in today's movies, because that's amazing stuff, too. Oh, sure. When, yeah. when it's done well, you know, and yeah. it's not cheesy. I love the creativity in a movie like this. And that's, you know, those kind of things are my favorite thing about this movie. And I personally just prefer things by hand. I prefer models by hand and yeah. moving things and servers and well, all we that. come from an old school mentality. Yeah. We're you know we're old, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely old. And Quado's voice, I thought, was really good. Yeah, that was you done know? by Marshall Bell, right? Um, yes, you're right. Very soothing, you know, very yeah. calming. Yep. Well, I'm upset that we've talked so much about this movie and I haven't somehow gotten you to do an Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> scream or pain or anything because. That's the funniest you thing. You got it. You wanted to give them people the air. <laughs> that wasn't a good one. Wait. No, I wanted it like when he's <laughs> actually. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's it. I actually like the movie a whole lot more now that I've read the people talking about it. Yeah, you've read all of the, uh, and getting, the theories yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and just getting into the. I guess I, you I could appreciate it more as a sci-fi movie. Yes. When you read all that, all the deep dives and all the theories and stuff. Yeah. For me, I'm I'm happy for it to have science fiction elements, mm-hmm. but be just a great action romp. I'm happy not doing all the diving mm-hmm. personally. Right? Is it for a dream? Me, Is it real? Who gives a shit? It's fun. No. For me, it gives it that much more because <laughs> as just you know a regular action film, I'm like okay, I'm not huge into action films, but now that it has all that funky yeah. stuff going on, I'm like whoa because you know once you start playing with you know minds. And timelines and stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, now I've now you've piqued my interest. Sure, this is a movie that I'm glad I saw when it first came out in 1990 when I was younger. Yeah. As I get older and maybe a little bit more cynical, the bullshit detector goes off more. <laughs> I don't have the same enthusiasm for letting shit go like right. I did back in the day. Okay. 
So yeah, like all these things come up in the movie that you go, come on. There's a lot of stuff that's completely over the top ridiculous in this movie, but I don't like to normally make fun of all that stuff when we do the podcast because this podcast is not about ripping the film apart. It's about no. celebrating the film. So, Oh, absolutely. And I do celebrate this movie. This movie plays well over and over again for me. It's definitely of its time. Schwarzenegger could do no wrong back then for me. I love that everything takes place in the seediest part of Mars possible, too. Oh, sure. That's because he was picking a woman that was going to be sleazy. So, But demure, too. But demure. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's, and isn't that almost every man's fantasy? And by the way, I just have to give Melina... <sighs> <laughs> of course you do. She, because you're like a teenager she still. Was, she was beautiful, <laughs> athletic, everything. Fun, smart. I don't know if she was funny. You never really got to um, see any. Was there any sense of humor? That yes. was your wife? What a bitch. What a that, bitch. that was humor. All right. That was good. That was fun. Yeah. Um, and what about, I really liked the scene the first time I saw it when he's trying to get into Mars, going through customs as that large woman. Yes. That and mask that blows up and stuff. Yeah. And he takes the head yeah. off. Yeah. Really, really cool. Very now, cool. Now, again, when he lifts that mm -hmm. off. You can see his face is a puppet is animatronic, but so what? It was so darn close to real and just the artistry that went into it. Exactly. I don't, again, I don't care if we know that it's a puppet because the, the amount of detail in that puppet is so fucking good yeah. that I'm, all, I'm like all in. I don't care. Yeah. I'd rather see that than like bad CGI. Oh yeah. A fun movie that, that really holds up for me. Still enjoy it a lot. Love Schwarzenegger. Love everybody in this movie, actually. Oh, everyone was great. Even some of the ancillary characters on Mars, too, like uh, Tony, you oh, know, the yeah. guy that helps him, who mm -hmm. was played by Dean Norris. If you're a fan of Breaking Bad, plays yes. the DEA agent. Walter White's brother-in-law on that show. He's Tony, the guy that when we first meet him. You have a lot of nerve showing your face. <laughs> Look who's talking. Yeah. That's him? Yeah, that's Dean Norris. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I had no idea. Yep. So anything else? I'm done. All righty. Well, thanks for checking out this episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis. This podcast, a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com for information about voiceover services for commercials, internet and corporate videos, e-learning, phone messages, and oh, so much more. And if you want to get in touch, you can email screenfacts at yahoo.com or on Twitter. It's at Jason Davis Voice. And by the way, thanks to Jason Shaw at audionautics.com for the theme music for this podcast.